Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Humble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory. Great pre owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Sales staff that works with you, great trade-in time. Service department that backs it up all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. One of our favorites, without question, is in a few moments, Ricky Ricardo. But first, our play-by-play call of the day. The Dodgers shockingly get into the playoffs. Moved to 40 games above 500. Breaking ball, hot shot to third. Turner's got it, and the Dodgers have punched their ticket to the postseason by winning their fifth in a row. 8 4 the final over the Diamondbacks tonight. That might be, that's Joe Davis, by the way, who's fabulous in his own right, with the call on the Dodgers TV network. <laughs> it might be the earliest I've ever heard a team clinching at least a wild card spot. <laughs> How about that? He is one of the best in the business because he's prepared, he's articulate, and he brings passion to all of his broadcasts. We love having on Ricky Ricardo. My friend, welcome back. Thank you so much for your time today. Good to be back with you, but I'll do you one better. The great Gabriel Kapler clinched his playoff spot 24 hours even before the Dodgers did. How about that? Uh, how about that one? In. <laughs> how about that one? In fact, yeah. in Philadelphia, they're still stunned by it. All right. <laughs> I have to, obviously, the obvious question to ask you first, you know, yeah. was the obvious one with John Sterling. What happened? Wow. I mean, obviously, everything's rolling through. What happened that night? What did you see? And play it out for us. All right, let, let's let's take you back. It was two weeks ago tonight when the remnants of Ida were coming through the area. Now, remember, we're not traveling with the team anymore, so we're doing the game remotely from Yankee Stadium where I'm sitting in the parking lot right now talking to you. John and I are in adjacent booths, so we're just a few feet away from each other. He's uh, obviously in the English booth. I'm right next door. So uh, we noticed during the game there was heavy rain, but... I mean, the stadium is completely dark, so you really can't get a, a, a good take on how severe the weather is. And we've been through heavy rainstorms before. But as we the, the game ends, and the Yankees, luckily that night, were playing the Los Angeles Angels. But because it was getaway day for both teams, instead of it being a 10 o'clock start on the East Coast, it was a 7 o'clock start on the East Coast. So figure it's about 10, 10.05 as the game ends. So John... John, Michael K, and myself, soon as the game ends, we all basically just meet in the men's room. It's one of guys our age, we, we last about, you know, nine innings of baseball before we got to take it. So we, uh, we meet in the men's room uh, as everyone's, you know, closing credits are playing. And Michael pulls out his, uh, his phone and says, hey, John, it looks like there's, you know, heavy rain over by you on the Jersey side. 
Uh, so just be careful because there's a flash flood warning. You know, John goes in one ear and out the other. John's just ready to go home. <laughs> uh, I So he, he does his rap. Uh, he does the total, the wrap up, the th- and then he leaves. So he's basically the first one to leave. I do the entire Spanish post game show, so I'm there for another 20, 25 minutes. So John leaves, Michael K leaves, so, you know, the last guys in the building are me and my producer. And I'm noticing it's really getting bad outside now. But I don't think twice about it. I, I finish up, I leave. As soon as I'm coming out of the garage here, there's a, a, a police officer who stops me on the way out. He says, hey, you're going to have an issue getting over the GW Bridge because the Major Deegan Expressway, which is the main artery here right by Yankee Stadium at Interstate 87, is closed. It's flooded. The Harlem River Drive on the other side of the river is closed. It's flooded. And on the other side of Manhattan, the West Side Highway, that approach to the bridge is closed. It's flooded. All right, so I'm good. I got to figure out how to use local streets and, you know, carve my way, you know, across to the bridge. While I'm doing that, while I'm trying to figure that out, I get a phone call from Susan Waldman. Now, Susan is doing the games remotely from home. She doesn't even have to come into the ballpark. And she tells me that she got a call from John. Remember, about a half hour, 40 minutes now have gone by while I do the postgame show and I leave. She gets a call from John that he tried to drive through some, some flood water and got stuck. His brand-new Cadillac gave out, won't start again, and the water's rising. Now, John takes, picture in your mind's eye, he takes a street called River Road on the other side of in Edgewater, <laughs> New Jersey, which is yep. adjacent to the Hudson River, and it floods every time, Steve, every time it rains. This road, the, this entire town really is prone to some heavy flooding. So now John is calling Susan after 911 couldn't do anything for him because they had so many calls. Susan calls me. I said, look, as soon as I get over the bridge, because I'm trying to find a way to get on the bridge myself, let him know that I'm going to be calling him. That's the same route I take because I live about a mile down the road from John. And as I approach him, I'll call him and I'll do whatever, you know, I can do to try to help him out. Okay. I finally get, uh, I go up Broadway, local streets, I get over the GW Bridge, I get onto River Road, and I'm looking at this, and it is real bad. By the time, now I've got John on the phone, by the time I get close to him, the water is about tire level on just about every car, so I'm going about five miles an hour, because it does me no good. I can't help him or help myself if, if, you know, if I get stuck, too. Now, I'm in an SUV, I've got to say. I'm in a Jeep Cherokee. It's a little bit higher, and it's always performed very good uh, in these types of conditions. Remember, I live in Florida, so I'm in the off-season, so I'm kind of used to this. So I finally locate John because it's it's totally dark. The power's out. And I tell you, if there were no less than – I'd be kidding you if there were no less than 25 cars at this particular intersection at the bottom of the hill, the water is about – car door deep getting close to the you know the door handle that's how deep it was and there's cars strewn all over the place in different directions i finally find john's car in this maze of this mess of vehicles and i flash my lights to him i get as close as i can with my passenger seat door to his driver's seat door i get out i roll my pants up to my knees basically and and help him out of his car. I said, John, make sure you've got your registration, your paperwork, your house keys, 
everything you need because you probably aren't going to see this car anymore. So he gathers his, his belongings. Now, get this. Here comes a, a beverage, a big soda truck, like a delivery truck, and yeah. drives right through the water and creates this tsunami wave. And I'm like, God, oh. close the door. Close the door. <laughs> and the water comes and splashes right, right on the it, it makes John's car sway left and right. So now we've got to wait for the water to calm down again, which took about another five minutes. It levels off a bit. I help him out of his driver's seat door into my passenger seat, get him, you know, locked in, seat belt him, get everything secure, uh, and then I go in reverse because, like, there's no way to go forward. I mean, the, the water is getting higher and higher. So I had to find higher ground in the towns of Fort Lee, uh, Cliffside Park, a bunch of little towns here right over the, uh, the George Washington Bridge into New Jersey. John, from the from the point where I found John to his apartment, it can be no more than a quarter mile. But it mm -hmm. took us an hour because I had to go up, make a hundred different turns. Streets were closed left and right. Cops all over the place, you know, pointing you in another direction. It took me an hour of driving at about five miles an hour through all kinds of water to finally get him to his apartment, home in one piece. And it took me, I remember I live about a mile down, it took me another hour to get to my apartment. So it was a wild night, but thank God we were able to get him out of that car, which is, that car is kaput. You know, it has been, it has been uh, labeled a total loss by the dealership, by the way. That's how high yeah. the water was. And who knows, uh, you know, if, if I don't get there in time that night, uh, you know, John was in the driver's seat and really did, had no idea what to do. I, uh, looking back on it now, it's, you know, God put me in the right place at the right time. Exactly, because a good friend of mine who was the play-by-play -play voice of Drake basketball in Des Moines, mm -hmm. Larry sure. Cutler, two years ago, was swept away and died in a flash flood in his car. So, I mean, I know, you know, just based on that, because he was a good friend of mine, what mm -hmm. happened with Larry. So I completely understand all right, so I'm going to ask you, during that you are talking about how you called it remotely. Now, for me, for Penn State football, I've been in person each of the last two years. So, I mean, I was in Madison. I was at games last year. Basketball, I did a couple games on the road, but some of them remotely. So what has it been like for you when the moment has come where you've had to go remote, doing the broadcast in Yankee Stadium or doing the broadcast in the link, whatever it may be? What has that experience been like for you? Well, I tell you what, I've I've had a head start on the rest of the guys and gals because for years doing both the Spanish broadcast first of the Phillies and then the Yankees. I go back, you know, I was doing Phillies back in 2007 right. and got the Yankee job in 2014. This is my tenth year doing the Eagles. But ever since I started doing this and moved away from music radio into sports, there hasn't always been enough room booth space in stadiums for the extra broadcast team. So I've been doing it by necessity. I've been doing remote broadcasts for years. So I'm kind of used to it. We, we'll travel with the team when the, the opposing edifice has enough room. For example, in Green Bay, they put me in a broom closet, basically. Once. Yeah. Cause there's, yeah. There's, there's not enough booth space in these older stadiums for the extra broadcast team. So I'm kind of used to doing it remotely, so this hasn't caught me by surprise. Actually, now with the way that we get all these different feeds from MLB, we get the five-box 
you know, feed on one of the screens with the bullpens and all the info. Right. Oh, this this is a dream come true compared to years in years yeah. past when I basically just had to, you know, adjust the delay off whatever the broadcast was on the Yes Network or or on uh, for football on Fox or CBS, whoever was carrying the game, get it a, a little adjuster thing for the delay and do it right off the screen. So I'm kind of used to it. I I, uh, I I learned to do that years ago and. Uh, it hasn't been that big of an adjustment for me because I learned to do it a long time ago. The Yankees, uh, of course, through a variety of reasons early in the season, COVIDs, injuries, they've been able to cobble together and hang in there, and then they got the 13-game winning streak. And then after the 13-game winning streak, it's it's been tough sledding. Why is that? I, you know, I wish I could put a, a good answer to that. This team, number one, I, I don't. I didn't really like the construction of this roster from the get-go. It was very both. right-handed all the way up until the trade deadline. Now, Brian Cashman, granted, did a tremendous job trying to balance the lineup out, uh, was able to get guys like Joey Gallo and the Anthony Rizzo, and he brought Andrew Heaney and left, although Heaney hasn't been very good, but at least the Gallo and, um, and the Rizzo, uh, additions have been great to balance the lineup left, right, left, right. And Yankee Stadium with the short porch and right field, you always traditionally, this franchise has won when they've had left-handed power. Uh, short of Garrett Cole and a couple of decent months from Jamison Tyone, the starting pitching has been very, very inconsistent. Luis Severino has yet to make it back. It was thought he was going to be back no later than, than the 4th of July. He's still on the I.L., Domingo Herman got off to a decent start, gave you about six, eight weeks of good starts. He's been on the uh, – Aroldis Chapman has been the biggest question mark. That was about the best Chapman that I've seen in years in April and May. And since then, it's been probably the worst Chapman that I've ever seen. In giving up home runs, having no control of his fastball. You know, the, 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 the magic of the 101, 102-mile-an-hour fastball, uh, fastball from Aroldis Chapman – that mystery's been solved. There's a ton of guys now that can come in and throw 100, 101. And let's face it, Chapman's not the young man that he was when he got here from Cuba and was the Cincinnati Red. So, you know, kind of the mystique is off of the Araldis Chapman, you know, ninth inning fervor. There's been a lot of inconsistent play. If you look at the numbers, there's nobody on this roster that's got top 10 numbers in anything. I mean, Aaron Judge is having the best season of any of the uh, big offensive producers, but he's not in the in the 90s or in the low 100s in RBIs. You know, he's got uh, 32 home runs, but there are guys that, around the league that have more. They're in the upper 30s and the low 40s. So I think it's a combination of underperformance by a lot of guys. LeMahieu has been bad. He, you know, he's an American League batting champion who's been hitting just around the 270 mark for the entire season. Terrible infield defense most of the year. Glaber Torres has been a tremendous disappointment. Who knows? They've moved him over to second base. Now they've thrown their hands right. up in the air and, and basically said, you're not a shortstop. We'll, we'll put you back at second, which now has three guys out of position in the Yankee infield. We'll see. There's 17 games left, including tonight's against the Orioles. They're basically in a dead heat with Toronto and Boston for the two wild card spots. Nobody's going to catch Tampa for the division. So toss it up, and let's see. They're, they play each other several times. The Yankees still have to go to Boston, still have to go to Toronto. 
Tampa comes in for the final three games of the season. Tampa's not going to lay down because they're going to want to have the best record in the American League to play at home as much as they can in the postseason. So, you know, let's see. It, it's going to take another one of those runs, sort of like the one they gave you when they won the 13 in a row coming off the game at Field of Dreams. Are they capable of doing it? Yes, we've seen it. Uh, is it likely that it happens? I wouldn't be so sure. One final one so I can get you out of the parking lot, and uh, that will be about the Eagles. Five starts now for Jalen Hurts. Uh, he'll always be the focal point of what's going on. What's your read on Jalen Hurts right now? Well, before Sunday, I, I couldn't have given you an honest answer. I saw the ups and downs of what was a young quarterback who, let's face it, in college had big moments, had but had some not-so-great moments also. Right. So, you know, we, we've watched the, the roller coaster ride of Jalen Hurts through Alabama, through uh, Oklahoma. But I tell you what. What I saw last Sunday in that opening game against the Atlanta Falcons is a Jalen Hurts that is adapting very, although we didn't see him at all, which was surprising in preseason. Saw a lot of them in, in whatever practices I could catch with baseball. I wasn't you know, available too much to watch you know, a lot of, uh, of training camp or practice. But what I saw on Sunday afternoon was Nick Sirianni's offense and Jalen Hurts you know, kind of in sync. Everybody here is young. The coaching staff, young guys trying to pr- you know prove themselves, make a mark in the league. A la these players with the veteran offensive line and the key to the Eagles are going to be who stays healthy. Uh, they've got good line play when they're healthy on both sides. Although Lane Johnson struggled a little bit on Sunday afternoon, but if I see the growth of Jalen Hurts continue the way we saw it, albeit against the Falcons team that couldn't muster a pass rush you know, if I were quarterback uh, on Sunday anyway. Uh, if, but if Jalen Hurts, I thought he showed poise in the pocket, was able to leave when he had to, get out of bounds, protect himself as much as possible, not take unnecessary risks. And I'll tell you what, Steve, he throws a pretty ball. And he's got some good young receivers that maybe are starting to come into their own uh, in their rookie and, and second year. Devontae Smith obviously had a big game, but Rager had a better game. Then you've got the veteran tight end combination of Zach Ertz and, and Dallas Goddard. So, look, I got my fingers crossed. It's better competition this Sunday with the 49ers coming in. But I was impressed from what I saw from Hertz and the whole group on Sunday afternoon. Ricky, when you made the move into play-by-play, it was one of the better moves to happen in our profession. You're outstanding. Love your work very much. Thank you so much for your time today. You're always great with us. Thank you. Anytime, Steve. I'm here for you. Ricky Ricardo. Yankees, Eagles. We, we touch on all the stuff Matt cares about. Um, you notice we didn't mention any other teams. Matt doesn't care about any other teams. No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! Was that after Chapman gave up a home run? All right, back with more in a moment. What? Yes. You didn't like that comment? <laughs> he's the great. I think his passion. I love him. I love it, too. He's great. He's just great. And really, he made his he made his mark with that call from the double doink in Chicago. Yes, he yeah, he did. Yes, he did. All right, back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. <laughs>
Great to have Ricky Ricardo on the show today. Great to have Jason Campbell on the show today. Our high school football roundtables tomorrow. And it looks like we've got a real shot at Reese Davis tomorrow from College Game Day. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Here on News Radio 1070, WKOK, home of the suitless free half hour. your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. He's going through the uh, Money Magazine's top 50 places to live. Ward 4 didn't make it. Uh, all right. Could it be leadership? Might be. I'm only, a- I'm only asking. It's not a comment. I'm only asking. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Humble's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Best new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Yeah, uh, you can tell the Yankees are a mystery to Ricky. I think they're a mystery to everybody. Um, part of it's the starting pitching. I mean, Cole's been, for the most part, dependable, you know, especially when he's got all the illegal substance. He's very dependable. Um, what? And unfortunately, with Tyone... I mean, a lot of times you get what you get. And we all knew that Jamison Tyon was somebody that has battled. Look, he's battled a lot. Um, battled a lot. By the way, we will have Reese Davis tomorrow. Steve. That dude, the suit. Ooh, this isn't good. I, um, that's no, senor! Reece, no, senor! No, senor! That's essentially what Reese said. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, they need a number to call here, so I always have to remember what the studio number is off the top of my head. It's a little bit different than my regular phone number. But I've got it, though. It's in here somewhere. Uh, But, yeah, I've got it here. But you can tell it's a mystery. And I know it's a a mystery to you. Here's Chapman's problem. Chapman... You know, he's throwing 102. Chapman's problem to me over the years has really actually been, believe it or not, a quite simple one. 
He throws 102 straight. He never really is a guy that's had um, tons of movement on his fastball. Now he's developed a better breaking ball. But, like, he just throws hard, but it doesn't move. You see what I'm saying? For me, it's mental. I think it's all mental with him. I don't think he has any mental toughness whatsoever. Once you get to him, you can grill him like a shish kebab. Well, it's more than that, though. It's straight. I'll never forget. The Spikes had a pitcher one time who could throw 97-98 no matter what. Now, at this level, that's pretty impressive. But the issue was he threw the ball. This, I mean, my analysis sometimes is drawn upon experience of other things. And I, and I look at Chapman, I see the same thing. There's no movement on his fastball. Major League hitters can hit straight pitches. Now, that's now, now obviously, like your analysis, which is, you know, filled with hate. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's not hate, it's honesty. Well, I mean, I always give you my honest it becomes opinion. Mental, it becomes mental after a while, but mentally he was overpowering people for a while. The problem is when you throw straight in the major leagues, it's an issue. See what I mean? Right, and then when it doesn't work after a while, like like Ricky said, he's there's no mystery about him anymore and why he can throw that fast. There's other guys that can throw that fast. That's right. been his exactly. only weapon, and Ex- let's exactly. face it, he, he can't keep himself off that, the field and all that. It's just, it's I don't like he, his he, mental attitude. He's lost that weapon. Again, you know, it, it does come down to the mental side of it because suddenly you go out there and instead of having some swagger, you're guessing. Uh, what made, let, let's use a golf analogy, Tiger Woods. When Tiger Woods was at the top of his game, Tiger Woods played golf the way Willie Moscone played pool, played billiards. Moscone was never just taking the shot. Moscone was always setting up the next shot. Tiger Woods was not thinking about, I'm driving the ball here. Okay, now I'm going to get my next shot. Tiger Woods was already thinking, got to put it here because my next shot's going to be pick iron into green. He's already thinking about the next shot before he hits the first shot because he's that good, that confident, that dialed in. What's hurt Tiger over over time is that when Tiger lost control for a period of time of the driver, he had to then start thinking about where he was hitting the ball to start with, then say, okay, where am I? Now what shot do I hit? See, you you lose that setting up a shot for the next shot. That's where Araldus Chapman back to pitching now. He'd walk out, you know, he knew what he wanted to do, how how he wanted to do it, where he wanted to throw it, the whole deal. And then guess what? There gets to a period of time where they catch on to your game. You don't have movement on your pitches to begin with. You can't overpower people anymore. And now you do doubt yourself. Now you're going pitch by pitch instead of thinking a pitch or two ahead. See what I'm saying? Evidently, you don't. Yeah, totally agree. 
Oh, boy, I got it here. I'll just write it down for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. But that is the... Uh, and then that's the way it is with athletes. I mean, the ability to think ahead is so important. Uh, the great ones are not just in the moment. The great ones are always thinking. You know, in other words, their mindset is different as to how they're approaching everything. Mindset's different. And that's what separates. I mean, Tom Brady makes a play. A lot of times Tom Brady is, is setting up a play for another play. You know, and that and they may not come back to that play that he really wants to run until two series later. But they get you conscious a certain way. And they, I mean, this is all part of the thinking part of the game. And it's with anybody. And the second you start to think your way through something, in anything you do, you start to think your way through it. Oh, boy. That becomes a problem. The old part, you know, you're, hurt, you're stop thinking you're hurting the ball club. I think in anybody that is successful, When you uh, in anything, playing quarterback, pitching, selling insurance, selling cars, I mean, when you get thinking, actually, believe it or not, in the moment, it's not that you don't think, but thinking in the moment, there's that half second of doubt. See, that's what you're trying to avoid in anything you do. I mean, how much thinking do I do for a broadcast on Saturday? Like none. I'm not up there thinking about what I'm what I'm saying. I already you're prepared, you're ready to go, and you just go and say, "Okay, this is what's in front of me. Let me describe it." Ricky Ricardo. I'll bet him out. He didn't think about anything. He does. Doesn't mean you're not. I mean, you've already done the thinking. My point is, you've already done the thinking. It's already been done. Why do you have practice during the course of the week? During the course of the week, you have practice so that when you get to the game, you don't think. You've already done it. All the thinking was done during the week. It's the ones that end up having to think their way through it, like, yeah, 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 got to think our way through this one. Great. And that's with, I mean, anything. How much, I mean, how much thinking do you think Brady does during the game? When doubt creeps in, Thinking starts, and that slows the process. All the thinking is done Monday through Saturday. I mean, literally, I mean, Matt, literally, how much thinking do you do when you're doing this? When I'm doing a game? Other than a game, a, a game, a broadcast, whatever. Oh, not much, no. No, because, in other words, you do the news and it's a script. You wrote the script. That's where your thinking came in. The ability to deliver, boom, it's your word. You do it. Exactly. Right? Exactly. I mean, and that's with any, any, I'm talking to anybody. 
Any, I'm using, we're using our profession as an example because it's what we do. It applies to all of you. You know darn well. Okay? Thinking, thinking in the moment, thinking in the moment is doubt. And that's what you're trying to avoid. Now, there are people that don't think. But enough of our staff meeting. Let's, uh, you know, what? S-U-I-T. That spells suit You know, I was thinking, oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> no, senor! No, senor! No, senor! Boy, if we could incorporate that into the shikalimi open on Friday, that'd be great. <laughs> oh my goodness! I know. All right, we've actually covered a lot of ground, a lot of different areas today. I want to come back to. I'm going to circle back. Oh, I shouldn't be using that phrase. That phrase leads to like what the heck? <laughs> I'm going to go back to what I talked about at the beginning of the show. We'll wrap it up about fit and coaches with programs. That the brand has to match the guy that's coaching or the woman that's coaching. It's not just an automatic. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory. Sales staff that works with you and not only that, but they do a great job with their service department. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. History is a great teacher. This is how we started out the show. When Oklahoma and Texas made the move that they wanted to go to the SEC from the Big 12, we talked about brands and markets and so forth. And there are certain brands that separate themselves from all others in college sports. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC, Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Texas, Oklahoma, now Clemson, obviously Notre Dame. Uh, I've scratched the surface. There may be a couple more that fall into that category that are really good, obviously. 
But something I want to point out that is not as um, obvious, and you need to really take a long look at the history of programs. It has not always been automatic in life that we're the brand, we hire a coach, and guess what? And in hiring the coach, we're going to win. It has to be the right match between coach and program. And we have countless examples. In college football in the last 40 years, over and over again, where that match hasn't been right. Where the brand is like, I don't understand why they're not winning. They are, pick name, a brand. Winning's hard. We know that. I've talked about that many. Well, I shouldn't say we know that. I think a lot of there, there's a segment of fans that think winning's easy. Um, most fans understand how hard it is, why it's gratifying to win. But the the bottom line is that when you look at the history of Notre Dame they've had Aaron Parsegan incredible hard to replace, Dan Devine did the best he could, he did win a national title but then after that Jerry Faust is not the right fit then Lou Holtz and then they wander from Lou Holtz through a series of coaches now they get Brian Kelly, who's been very good. I don't, but I, I know he's about to break Rockney's record, uh, but he's not considered in the pantheon of Notre Dame football. He's, you know, you got New Rockney, Frank Leahy, Errol Parsegan, probably Lou Holtz. I mean, Brian's not in the top four. Yeah, not even close. No, he's done a good job though, Matt. Don't, no, 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 no. He's done a good job. Notre Dame is not the same job as it was. I mean, Leahy had the gift of all gifts, for goodness sakes. He came out of World War II, and all these older players all went to Notre Dame. He couldn't ask for, like, the most phenomenal situation on the face of the earth. The Notre Dame job is different now, and TV's made it that way. I mean, TV's made it that way. So I think Brian's done a really good job um, at Notre Dame, but he's not one of the top four coaches of all time, but he's done a really good job. Alabama goes Thomas, then, then they wander, then they bring in Bear Bryant, awesome. Then after Bear Bryant, they wander, then they have a brief period of time with Gene Stallings, who won a national title. And then they went through coach after coach after coach. And then finally they get Saban in there. They're wandering all over the place. Ray Perkins, Bill Curry, DuBose. Price, Shula, you know. Just because they're Alabama, it was Saban that had to come in. And sometimes the fit isn't right the other way. Saban did a very good job at Michigan State, but did not do a great job at Michigan State. He did a very good job at Michigan State, but didn't do a great job. I mean, it wasn't like Saban was there for a month. I mean, Saban was there for years at Michigan State. And they were getting to be really good, but they weren't winning Big Ten titles. It's going to be right coach, right fit. Texas, Daryl Royal. Then they wander. Then they get Mac Brown. And then they get dissatisfied with Mac Brown, and they're wandering again. USC, we talked about the USC deal, how they've wandered except for Pete Carroll since John Robinson. 
Miami has not been a factor in 20 years. Florida State's not a factor. Florida State's now in their third coach since Bobby Bowden. It's um, it's got to be right coach, right fit, right time. Michigan, since Lloyd Carr. And they were never, like, excited about Lloyd Carr. He was too low-key for them. How much do they miss him now? This is why I go back now to James Franklin. James Franklin is right fit, right program, right time with Penn State. I know people get tired of every year the name comes up. That's because he's had so much success here. So I understand about the name coming up. I got that. And people are like, oh, here we go again. His name's up again. But appreciate what you have. And also, too, after listening to that on Dan Patrick today, he, now listen, I like Dan Patrick. I think he does a good job. But he played right into the factor of sometimes national sports shows don't have a clue at all. He he wanted to know what the he made a big deal about what the leadership council was. Dude, he was talking about the players. He's not yeah. gonna go talk to he he was like, is he gonna talk to the university? No. He should know better than that. He's gonna talk to his players about this. Well, that's why it, no and and all the reporters knew that on the call, or else they would have asked that. Right. Like, come and, on. And the, yeah, that is that. Again, we can be specific because, uh, obviously, I can be more specific than anybody. I'm closer to it than anybody. But when you're doing something from 30,000 feet, that can be problematic. So, I mean, I'm not, you know. I'm just saying that's where Dan happens to be is at 30,000 feet on this. And that's hard to do because he does such a great job at his show. Because every once in a while, we'll talk about something that's out of our away from us, and we'll be talking about it from 30,000 feet, so I know how he feels. Right? And then there's then there's Friday night in Shikolami where you feel like the game's being done from 30,000 I'm sorry, that's a different different deal. <laughs> thank, thank goodness for the Chief. Yeah. High school roundtable tomorrow.